only want to speak about Jesus in the house. I'm just going to read from Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. First 12 verses. This is talking about Jesus. And again, he entered Capernaum for after some days. It was heard he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. When they couldn't come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they'd broken through, they let down the bed in which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw the faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes who were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts said, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that the reason thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man is power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like it. We never saw anything like it. Imagine if you'd been there. If you'd been there in that day, Wow. I just want to be clear, before I speak about Jesus in the house, I'm not talking about a house eh, just made of bricks and mortar. I'm talking about that, that's part of it, but I'm also talking about a biblical house. Because, you know, in the New Testament, individuals are called the house of God. Or the church is called the house of God. You know, in 2 Corinthians, the apostle Paul says this, For we know of the earthly tent, which is our house is torn down, we were building from God a house not made with hands. In Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about us being members of the household of God. In 1 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy, I write that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says, But Christ is the Son over his house, which is us, whose house we are. And in 1 Peter, it talks about being living stones being built into a spiritual house. We are being built into a spiritual house. You are being built into a spiritual house. I am a house of God. So we're talking about God in the house, Jesus in the house. We're talking about in my personal house. We're talking about in my home. And we're talking about in the church, which is the house of God. That's what we're talking about when we're saying Jesus is in the house. When the Bible says in God in Mark, it says about God's house shall be a house of prayer. So if we're God's house, we should become a house of prayer. And because we're pressing in nearer to a revival breaking out, out there amongst unbelievers, I believe that God is calling his people to pray more and more. I've never known a revival happening in church history without praying taking place first. So if we need revival, we need to pray, don't we? Anyone out there? Thank you. I thought you'd fallen asleep. So if we want revival, we need to pray, don't we? So that means us. Because we are the house of God, I'm a house of God, you're the house of God. Okay? You know, it was a top priority in the New Testament. It's been a top priority in times of revival. It needs to become a top priority 
in our lives. It says this about the Welsh Revival. In the Welsh Revival, it talks about the focus of prayer being for the lost. It talks about them concentrating on prayer. In any revival you look at, it says the same thing. So when we're talking about Jesus being in the house, we're talking about this house, which is going to become a house of prayer, our homes and the church. Jesus is in the house on all three levels. So wherever we go, we are taking Jesus, aren't we? Because he's in us by his Holy Spirit. So Jesus is in my house. That makes me dangerous. Makes you dangerous. Because where Jesus is around, anything can happen. So it said in verse 1, It was heard that Jesus is in the house. And as I said, when he's in the house, anything can happen. You know, down at Feldy Brennan, when they've been seeing all these amazing things, you know, people coming up the driveway... You can't, I've been down there you can't see Feldy Brennan from the road you've got to go up this twisted driveway and find the house you can't see it from the road if you could see it from the road you think well okay that's kind of half a miracle but the fact that God is drawing people up somewhere they can't even see and drawing to the house he's doing that because Jesus is in the house and the healings and other things that they have seen is because Jesus is in the house you know, in the Welsh Revival, it was noised abroad that Jesus is in the house. That's what they said about the Welsh Revival. Jesus is in the house. Well, let me ask you a question. Would you like Jesus to live in your house? No, are you sure about that? We might have to make a few changes. Do you think? Or would Jesus be quite happy with you the way you are? Wouldn't it be good to have Jesus in the house? You know, when the neighbours come to the door, we say, Jesus, will you go and answer the door, please? That would be a surprise for them, wouldn't it? And I don't believe if Jesus was here in this nation, he wouldn't be here with, his, with the robes that he, he wore when he walked about in the Middle East because he would fit into our culture. He'd probably wear the kind of clothes that we wear. So Jesus wants to be in the house. You know, it says this, that uh, in John fourteen twenty one, the person who is my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me, and whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and will show, reveal, and manifest myself to him. The Amplified says, I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Wouldn't it be nice to have Jesus been revealed to us more and more? that he would reveal his presence to us more and more? Well, I would like that. Whether it's in your heart, whether it's in your home, whether it's in the church, for the presence of Jesus to be manifest more and more would be a wonderful thing. Well, in John fourteen twenty three, it says, If a person really loves me, he'll keep my word and obey my teaching, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make a home with him and abode a special dwelling with him, i.e. live in the house with him. So we can have Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit in the house, living with us. Might be a bit crowded, but wouldn't it be nice? Is Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit living in our house, or living in our hearts with us? That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. <laughs> Jesus wants to manifest his presence to you 
He wants to manifest it. He wants to reveal it to me. And we just need to ask him, Lord Jesus, will you please reveal your presence to me? And get into a place where there's a greater intimacy with him. You know, in verse 2, it talks about still more people press forward to hear Jesus teaching the message of God's kingdom, teaching the world. And the kingdom of God, we've been singing about that this morning. It's one of the most, if not the most important message in the Bible. And we're kingdom people. See, kingdom is much bigger than church. It's bigger than streams and denominations. Kingdom is one of the most important teachings in the Bible. Even when Jesus, after he'd been crucified and rose from the dead, he spent 40 days speaking to his disciples about the kingdom of God. Very important subject. And we now belong to his kingdom. And that kingdom is within us. You know, you go through the Gospels, wherever else, in Matthew 6, 33, we're told to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Not to worry about a clothing or food, these kind of things, but to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come. You know, these are three of the most powerful words we can ever pray or say, your kingdom come. We don't need to know the names of the demons or all the problems or anything else. We can just say, Father, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. It's all we need to do. Three of the most powerful words in the universe. In verse 3 to 5 it says, Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. These four men were, were actually interceding. They were standing in the gap on behalf of another. They were standing in place between the, the paralytic and God. They were helping that man. They opened the roof and they were determined to get their paralytic friend to Jesus. They wanted to get him to Jesus because they had heard Jesus was in the house. And they knew when Jesus was in the house, anything could happen. (laughs) They were absolutely committed and they wouldn't give up until they brought the need of their friend to Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. He went right to the root of the problem. Sometimes sickness is caused by sin. There's no getting away from that. It's in the Bible. Not all the time. Sometimes it is. And he says to this man, your sins are forgiven. He went right to the very root of the problem. But by doing that, he brought salvation and healing into that man's life. See, Jesus came as Emmanuel, which means God with us. And God is still with us today. He is still Emmanuel today. It hasn't changed. He's still with us today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Holy Spirit makes the presence of Jesus known in our lives, our home, and in the church. The presence, you know, I went out there because I I forgot some leaflets. When I walked out there and came back in, you're doubly aware of the presence of God in the place. The presence of God is here today. And we can feel sometimes it's hard going like I'm feeling now. See, sometimes it's like that. Sometimes people are relaxed and run into the world. Other times, it feels you've got to push through a barrier. I feel I'm pushing through a barrier here this morning. But Jesus is in the house. And I'm going to push through that barrier 
because I believe this is the word of the Lord. Verse 6 and 7. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? There's always going to be people who criticize Jesus and mutter about what he's doing. Even in the church. People complain in the church about things that Jesus did because sometimes it offends us. We're just going to make sure we're not one of those. We've really allowed God to be God because he does know better than us. You might not believe that, but it's true. You see, imagine if you'd been with Jesus. He'd come up against this blind man, so he spits and he gets some mud and puts it on his eye. Would that offend you? It's a bit unorthodox, isn't it? Imagine if I was walking up Abington Street and there was a blind man comes in front of me and I look around for some mud, I spit on it and I say, I'm going to put some mud in your eyes. Imagine what would happen. I'd probably be arrested and put in prison. But Jesus did that and the blind man's eyes were opened. Jesus can be very, very unorthodox. It's very easy to get offended by Jesus. You see, we live in a society where we're not supposed to offend anyone, but Jesus offended people to make his truth known. The cross is an offense. That's the foolishness of God. But there's power in the cross. But the cross of Jesus Christ offends people, and people don't like it. You see, if Jesus had to die for our sins, that means we are sinners. People don't like that. They've been told all the time, well, you're a good person. Well, you might be to your measure, but you're still a sinner. So the cross is an offense. We need to decide if religious behavior is more important to us than having Jesus in the house. I'm saying that again. We need to decide if religious behavior is more important to us than having Jesus in the house. Does anyone here want Jesus in the house? Can you stick your hand up? I didn't hear you. Good. We could have a revolution on our hands. Verse 11, Jesus says to this man, I say to you, arise. I say to you, arise. Brothers and sisters, we need to arise in waking up to who God really is. We need to arise to that. He is the sovereign Lord God Almighty. God wants people saved more than we do. God wants to bless us more than we want the blessing. God wants this nation to be saved because he wants people added to his family. Our God is a big God, a great God, and a mighty God. And we need to rise up with him to recognize who God is, but also recognizing who we are with sons and daughters, with prophets, priests, and kings. That's part of our identity. We're prophets, priests, and kings. Did you know that? You're a king. Well, say to someone next to you, I'm a king. If you're a woman, say, I'm a queen. It's the same thing. It means we're royalty. We're a royal priesthood. What do priests do? Stand in the gap between God and people. They worship God. They minister to God. They come out to the presence and they bless the people. They stand in the gap. We're priests. 
and say to someone else, I'm a priest. Prophets, priests, and kings, we are important people. We are important people. Yes, we are. My wife and I are important people. Would anyone like to join us? See, we need to make every effort to rise up above sin and hurt and circumstances and these things that come against us in life. We've got to rise up over them, brothers and sisters. So many Christians are stuck in the past away back there because of some hurt that happened to them 25 years ago and they're still living back there and still playing the tapes. Well, you need to come to the cross, get fixed and move on. You're wasting your life. And when you stand in front of Jesus, you'll say, Dear Jesus, I couldn't do what you asked me to do because someone hurt me badly 25 years ago. Can I please go back? You'll say, No, you had your chance. You've just wasted 25 years of your life. What a waste. What a waste. We all get opportunities to come to the cross. We all get opportunities to get up and get over it and grow up. Pass on. Maybe adults, not kids. See, we need to recognize that people need Jesus as a will to change and we're the answer. It's not just the gospel is the answer or Jesus is the answer to the world. The church is the answer because we've got to get Jesus to the people. And if Jesus is in my house, something's going to happen when I'm around. I'll give you a very, very simple little thing. We've got, we've got this day, little car for Alice. to take it back in Friday. The guy said, take it back in. And we got back in with the car. And it's very, very simple. I got talking to this man who was sharing different stories. And uh, it always comes up. So, so what do you do then, Brian? You retired? No. I'm, I'm an active service. I'm a Christian minister. Oh, okay then. And as I was leaving, I said, shake my shook his hand. I said, may God bless you. He comes out of the little office. All his workmen says, hey, a Christian minister just bless me. I mean, isn't that a simple little thing? Because Jesus is in my house. I've got somebody to bless him with, and so have you. Very simple little thing. I can't wait till the next time I go back there now. Because he said I might use your services. Well, praise God. But I want another chance to bless that man. That quite caught me by surprise. All I said was, it's no big deal, is it? May God bless you. Jesus in my house. <laughs> Verse 11b, take up your bed and go to your house. Let me ask you this morning, what's your bed? What is it that's holding you back? What's my bed? What is it that's holding me back? Can you identify your bed? What is it that you're lying on that stops you getting up and following him? We've all got them. But we can take up our bed and we can walk. But the decision is ours. Or we can stay where we are and lie in our bed. Sickness, brokenness, failure, a history of defeat. What's your bed? What's your bed? You can turn your history around because Jesus is in the house. You can take hold of it and rule over it no matter what it is because Jesus is in the house. And the one who's in the house is greater than the one who's in the world. 
is greater than sickness, greater than circumstances, greater than anything we'll ever come across. Did you know that Jesus Christ is greater than all the demons of the world put together and he lives in the house? Not just one demon, not just seven, not just 10,000 demons. You put all the demons in the world together and the one who is in us is greater because Jesus is in the house. That's worth a hallelujah or something. Come on. <laughs> I mean, all the demons in the world and the one who is in us is greater. Jesus is in the house. If you get nothing else today, I hope you hold that Jesus is in the house. I'm going to keep repeating it. It goes from here to here. Because we need to get hold of it. He's in the house. See, when we learn to rise up over our bed and pick up our bed, we can then go and help others, and we've got a testimony of how we overcame because Jesus is in the house, and we can tell them that they too can overcome because we can get Jesus into their house. (laughs) We can lead them to freedom. If we're in bondage, it's very difficult to lead someone to freedom. We're going to do these things out of our experience. Verse 12, it says this. Immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. We never saw anything like this. Imagine if we'd been there. A hole in the roof. Be hard. I've got tiles in my roof. I don't know if that'd be hard for people in my house. But a hole in the roof. But I could imagine... Over the years, this guy who was healed, this paralytic, being asked, what happened to you? How come you're healed? He said, well, I heard that Jesus was in the house. My friends took me to Jesus, and I got healed, because when Jesus is in the house, anything can happen. See, I put something in the the pastor's update this week. We've got to get our limits off God. We're supposed to be living a life without limits, a life without boundaries, because Jesus came to give us abundant life. And so often we put God in a box, don't we? Well, maybe you don't, I do. And I think, I'm getting out of my box. So I get out of my box, I put God in with these limitations and boundaries. I get out of this box, and I'm over here and I think, I'm out of the box, only to discover six months down the line, I'm just in a bigger box. And I've still got boundaries. So I jump out of that when I jump over here. But at least my boxes are getting bigger all the time. <laughs> when we met as ministers two or three weeks ago, I had this word, and I believe it's right. It was this thing. We're in the days where we need God outside of the box thinking. I believe that's a prophetic word. We need God outside of the box thinking. God doesn't want to do things in your life and my life just exactly the same way he's always done them before. He wants to do some things differently. The issue is, are we up for this? The trouble is, when God does things differently, it all feels a bit strange and we feel a bit insecure because it's, it's not ground that we know. You know, it's as if sometimes it's like I think this was in the, 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 the new sheet. It's like being in a village puddle and we think we're doing okay because at least we're in the water and our feet are wet when there's a great big ocean for us to get in amongst. So we need to get the limits off, brothers and sisters. You see, Jesus is in the house. 
God without limits is in the house. And when Jesus is in the house, anything can happen. And I believe that God wants us to show we really love Jesus by obeying his word. And when we do, Jesus said he will manifest himself to us. He will reveal himself to us. I want Jesus to reveal himself to me. I know he's in the book. And I believe he's here by faith. I want his manifest presence. When we worship God on a Sunday, it's the manifest presence, it's the revealed presence of Jesus that's here amongst us. That's what it is. I want more of that. Revival is the manifest presence of God, not just in the church, but spreading into the community, and they call it an awakening. It's the presence that does it, because Jesus is in the house. You know, not just in the Welsh revival, the presence of God was everywhere. You know, the pubs and all that things shut down. In the Hebridean revival, when it broke out, the following day, People came from 60 miles away and no one said a word because Jesus was in the house and the presence of God was manifest. The police station rang them up and said, we've got people at the police station crying out for mercy. We've never had this before. What do we do with them? They don't know what to do with them. They've never had this before because Jesus is in the house and his presence has been manifest everywhere. That's where God has taken us. See, we're in the river of God. This river's going into the sea of mankind. The more we go into the sea of mankind, the more we're going to know his presence, and the more we're going to see the healings and the miracles. So we need to love him more and obey his word, and he'll reveal himself to us. That, that's also his prophetic word to you, not just the written word. Now, I'm often asking myself, Father, is my obedience up to date? not just to his written word, but these things that God has spoken prophetically into my life, is my obedience up to date. Because I share with you, God asked us to do something just a few weeks ago. At first I didn't want to do it, but I made a quick adjustment. My obedience is up to date again. I want to keep my obedience to God up to date because then I'll get more revelation then I can go the next step. See, I don't want to stand like this all my life in the same place, just wearing a hole in the floor. I want to say, no, God, I'm obeying you. Whoop, I'm on. What's my next step? Are there enough marking time in the Navy? No, left, right, you service guys here. We've done this, don't we? About, turn, hop, two, three, four. I mean, I don't want any of that stuff. I've done it. I want to press on. That's one of my T-shirts. You see, when Jesus is in the house, anything can happen. Absolutely anything. In your house, your home, the church. I haven't told Alison this yet. I might not be able to go home today after this, but I asked Clifford, eh, Clive, I mean, you know Clive that does the calligraphy and all the rest of it, lovely colours and all that. I went to him, it's two or three weeks ago, I said, Clive, I've got this thing in my heart, Jesus in the house. Could you do me a sign? A nice sign that catches people's attention. So as soon as they come in my front door, there it is, Jesus in the house. I want people to know Jesus in my house. Ah, Lord. See, when Jesus is in the house, 
people will be drawn to his presence and they will come in the Welsh revival and other revivals people are drawn to the presence and they come as well as us going and taking Jesus with us because we can't leave him behind because he's in us isn't that good Can we stand, please? Father, I declare this morning Jesus Christ is in the house. He's in this cold church. Lord, I pray for the people here. God, we'd be a people that love you and obey your commandments. And according to your word, you would reveal yourself, manifest yourself to us. That we would know your revealed presence, Lord Jesus. And that we would be aware that you are in my house, in our houses, our individual houses, but also in our home. God, that we'd be aware of your presence in our home. And wherever we go on a daily basis, Lord, you'd give us opportunity for the Jesus who lives within us to get out and touch those around us and bless them with your loving goodness Father would you please do that in Jesus wonderful name Amen Okay, you can sit down for a minute please and uh, we said a few weeks ago we couldn't get your leaflets it would help your your prayer life before I hand it out I'd say I just want you to read through the kind of instructions because I don't want you to use this as some kind of legalistic thing that you sit down and read through it line by line that's not the intention of this can you put it in the AV please so what I've done I've used an acrostic pray well that's good isn't it well, I thought it was good. I thought that was inspiration. Divine inspiration, Lord. This booklet has got a few things in it. So if you think of prayer, it's got prayers and principles to enrich and sharpen our prayer life. Does anyone not need their prayer life enriched and sharpened? Good, so that applies to everybody. It's like railway lines to keep us on track and heading in the right direction. We are going somewhere. We are pressing into revival for our nation and we want to be winning the loss for Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. That's where we're going. We want to see our nation turn back to God. So this will help keep us on track. And the A, to adhere to the key ingredients. There's only three kind of key ingredients. That's the presence and the, uh, uh, and the power of God's kingdom praying for five unbelievers daily and blessing individuals and communities you know I just jotted down something like this I don't know how many people are here this morning just say there's 200 people right so 200 people here praying every day for five people each mathematicians what's that a thousand so that's a thousand unbelievers just in this church being prayed for every day well five days a week it is imagine that 
That's a thousand unbelievers by name being prayed for five days a week. That's got to be good, hasn't it? See, it's okay to pray for the lost. When we name names, it's a different ballgame. So that would be a thousand unbelievers were praying for by name every day, five days a week. That's got to be a good thing, hasn't it? I don't seem very sure today. I can tell that God's in this. I remember some other stories about this kind of stuff. It feels like hard work up here. It might be okay down there. It feels like hard work. So imagine that. A thousand unbelievers being prayed for every day. That's powerful. I'll tell you who doesn't like that, the devil. He doesn't like that. The last thing he wants is someone getting saved. He saved you and saved me. And the other thing is, why? You will all pray differently. Now some of you will work through this kind of systematically. The, the, the good thing about this is, this could be for a new Christian or someone who's hardly ever prayed at all on one end of the spectrum. Someone away out here has been saved 50 years. They can pray more spontaneously. But there's content here that suits everyone. Some will use it more systematically. Some will just pray and dip into it. But there's enough contact here for everyone. There's some prayers about Northamptonshire. I'll read them out. Who knows Roy Godwin? Well, not personally, but who's read his book, The Grace Outpouring? Well, kind of, a couple of handfuls. This is all endorsed by him, by the way. He wrote a couple of prayers for Northamptonshire. Could we stand while I read this out, please? I'd like an amen to this. When, it's, when you say, oh, high king of heaven, that's God the Father, okay? God the Father, the one who sits upon the throne, that's the high king of heaven. Oh, high king of heaven, have mercy on the land and the people of Northamptonshire. Revive and strengthen your people here. Send the Holy Spirit for the sake of the poor, the oppressed, and the children. May your kingdom come to our county in Jesus' mighty name. And then there's another one here that's done here. We stand in the mighty name of Jesus and bless you, Northamptonshire, that you might prosper under the mighty hand of God. We bless you that justice and righteousness might take their proper place within your boundaries. We bless you that the favor of the Lord might rest upon you and give you peace. We bless you that the Father's compassion might fall upon your people. We bless you that they might be lifted up. We bless you that the knowledge of Jesus might come in amongst you like a flood. We bless the people of God in Northamptonshire. They might rise up with a servant authority and become a people of blessing. We bless you that the joy of the Lord might be your strength. You know what God's people said? Amen. Amen. You see, there's power there. Why the power of agreement? Jesus said, if any two agree on earth, well, I don't know how many are here this morning. We just all agreed. So there's power in agreement. So when we use a common model, we multiply that power of agreement. That's what we're doing all the time. We're multiplying the power of agreement. So we all pray differently. Some might be more systematic. Some might be more spontaneous. That's absolutely fine. It doesn't matter. God will meet you where you are. So allow this to enrich and sharpen. 